Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. I always forget something when I do announcements. I had two of them and I just forgot one of them again already. Uh, The pavement outside. uh, It's fresh. And on the funeral on Wednesday, uh, you'll see some evidence out there if you didn't see it on your way in where cars turn too sharply or used to backing out of a space and then turning the wheel without moving and digging a little bit into the pavement. Uh, I want to remind you that do your best to be moving when you start turning your wheel so you don't uh, grind into the pavement. Um, It'll be that way for quite some time, so just put that in the back of your mind uh, if you would. The other thing, I just glad I remembered it. We have a number of guests with us today. We're delighted you chose to be with us and worship with us. If uh, you've not filled out a visitor's card in front of you, that in, uh, card in the pew in front of you, uh, do so and hand it to me or Pastor Steve on your way out so we have record of your attendance. Now, if, if I forgot anything else, it'll have to wait, okay? We're in Galatians chapter 3. We're traveling through this marvelous book that Paul wrote to churches in the province of Galatia, uh, talking about the gospel, the importance of the gospel, and he continues on with that thought today. Uh, So let's read. It says, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed through, along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Last time Paul talked about personal experience and evidence from the Word of God. And now to build on that, he he goes into the Old Testament... And he comes to the fact that there's proof of salvation of faith built upon grace, not works or the law. He is saying here that what he taught to the Galatian church is what they had had previously under the Old Testament. Faith through grace. And so everything he was teaching lined up with the Old Testament. Now the false teachers that had come to the churches there in Galatia, the Judaizers specifically, pointed to the law of Moses 
as a means of salvation. And so now in the text in front of us, Paul points back to Abraham who lived 400 and some years before the law was given. And here he says Abraham was saved because of faith. Long before the law ever came on the scene. And so what Paul is doing here, and he wants the churches there at Galatians to know, and he wants us to know, that the word of God is so very important, and that the Judaizers who came along, if they really would have understood the scriptures, would have also talked about one is saved by faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So he wanted the Galatians to understand this. And he wanted to understand also that, yes, you had a personal experience in your life, but any kind of personal experience has to be tested on the grounds of the Scriptures. Because we are never to judge the Scriptures by our experience. We test our experience based upon what God has said in His Word. The reason I say that, and the reason that's so important, is that Satan is a deceiver. He is a liar. And he will give you some kind of an experience because the Bible tells us he comes as an angel of light and he will try to trap us or trick a person to believe a lie that he is presenting. I heard someone talking this week about that I don't believe in God because a loving God would never send anybody to hell. And isn't, do you, you've heard that? You can shake yes, and I've, by shaking a head and the response, I, you've heard that. Well, God has done everything in his power so that an individual doesn't have to go to hell. He is the one that provided Jesus Christ to go on that cross and die for our sins so that anyone who puts their faith in him will be saved. The reality is an individual chooses to go to heaven or hell. He's given us that privilege. He is not, we are not robots. We are not programmed one way or another. We either accept the truth of the word of God or we reject it. And if we reject it, hell is our eternal destiny. So here Paul is going into the Old Testament and proving and, proving and showing that salvation is faith. Just like Abraham's faith. And so here he is this great example for us. The Jews held Abraham in high esteem. They called him Father Abraham. And so the question is asked, how was Abraham saved? Well, the answer is simple. The same way the Galatians were saved. The same way you and I are saved. By believing what God had said. Faith that the Messiah is Jesus Christ. His faith was before the cross. His faith was what God was going to do. His faith was in what God was promising to do. And you and I look at the cross from this side. We know what Christ did on the cross. We just celebrated it with the Lord's Supper here a moment ago. And we are looking back on the cross. But the thing is, we all have the same spiritual heritage. We believed God, what he was going to do with Christ on the cross. He starts out here by saying, Abraham was saved by faith. And he quotes Moses out of Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 to show that his righteousness was placed on Abraham because he believed God. You see that in there in the first uh, verse 6? He believed God. Now notice, it didn't say he believed in God. It says he believed God. 
There is a tremendous amount of difference between believing in God and believing God. You and I live in a culture here in South Carolina that is very religious. And if you were to go out on the street and ask a man or a woman or a young person, do you believe in God? Almost everyone would tell you, yes, I believe in God. You don't have to define God, but they believe in a God. But you've noticed here, Abraham believed in God, but he believed God. You see, the Bible tells us over in James chapter 2, verse 19, that even the demons believe in God. So scores of people that you and I know will tell you they believe in God, but that believing in God is not a saving faith. We have to believe God. Much difference, leaving that word in out of the translation Believing God is that I am trusting God. I am believing His Word. I am believing His promises. I am believing what He has said. I will therefore trust God because He will be faithful to His promises. Saving faith is very different from the generic, uh, general faith in believing in an existence of God, however one would define Him. Believing God is me as an individual, you as an individual, putting your total faith, your total trust, your total dependence, your total confidence in God, His Word, and His plan of salvation. He goes on to even emphasize this more by saying it was credited to Him, which is a banking term, which means it was placed into His account. When an individual, you or I, or any person, puts our faith and trust in Christ as Savior, God has credited him with his righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible tells us that my righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, right? Anything I attempt to do to, to please God or to earn any credit with God is nothing but filthy rags, basically worthless. But when we trust Christ as Savior, He gives to us His righteousness and is put to our account. And the opposite is true. Our sins are placed upon Jesus. And the Bible says He became sin for us. I don't know about you, but I am glad that I am clean in God's sight, not because of me, but because of what Jesus did and that I've accepted it as my own. Now, the Jewish people were very proud of their heritage, and I think all of us ought to be proud of our heritage. I, I, my basic family, I'm an Engle, that's a German name. Uh, i got mainly German in my background. My grandmother on my mother's side was a Heinz, again, a German name. Uh, that's my heritage. I've had the privilege of flying into Stuttgart on one of my mission trips and flying back out, so I've been to Germany. But uh, that's all I really know, but that's my heritage. Be proud of your heritage. But you see, the trouble with the Jewish people, they were considering themselves descendants of Abraham, as they call him Father Abraham, and they had come to believe that because they had the blood of Abraham in them, they were guaranteed a relationship with God just like Abraham had, by birth and by heritage, not by faith. And they were in great trouble because of that. But here, Paul states very clearly 
that those who are of Abraham's seed are those who have believed like Abraham believed. It's a spiritual heritage, not by birth. If you're a Christian today, it's because you believe God and you've trusted Him and you believed His plan of salvation. Abraham's real children are spiritual, not physical. They're not justified by works, they're not justified by law or religion or their birth. Abraham's true children are justified because they believe God and acted upon it. He also goes on to say here that salvation is for all. Verse 8 says, God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, the word justified is one of those big churchy words that a lot of people don't like to use. I don't use it that often. But the simple definition of justified is just as if we've never sinned. When we are justified in God's sight, he looks at us as if we have just as never sinned. The Christian is viewed by God through the body and blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as I said a moment ago, that individual is seen as clean or righteous. The Bible says in John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or purity and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The righteousness of Jesus is placed on us. His blood cleanses us and we're made whole. Abraham was given the good news in advance. Perfect example of that is when God told him to take Isaac and sacrifice him. And then you all know that how that goes that there God provided the sacrifice. So Isaac was not sacrificed. There Abraham was given a glimpse of what God was going to do someday with Jesus Christ. And Paul says, as he quotes out of Genesis chapter 12, all nations will be blessed through you. From the very beginning, Abraham's relationship with God was to be a blessing to all individuals, all people, all nations. So Paul uses this Old Testament quote, lets the Galatians know, know that the false teachers to know that the truth that he was preaching has its roots all the way back to Abraham. Again, let me say, true followers and children of Abraham are spiritual, not physical. The promises that God made to Abraham were personal, specifically to him. They were national to the Jews and spiritually to all of us. The greatest blessing that Abraham was given was eternal life because he looked ahead to what Jesus Christ was going to do. That promised seed, and we'll look at that next time. He says, all that try to follow the law are going to be cursed. The law demands perfect obedience. Verse 10, let me read it again. He says, all who rely on observing the law is under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. I don't know 
anybody who's perfect. But the law demands total obedience. None of us can do that. And the law is not a cafeteria of things that we pick and choose. We, we don't say, I'm going to take that and, and, and neglect that. I'm going to do this and ignore that. No, not at all. The law is very specific. And none of us can totally fulfill the law perfectly. It's an impossibility. Jesus, on, when he preached the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so he is saying to those who insist that you're going to keep the law perfectly, he's basically saying, you've got to do it just like Jesus did, and that's an impossibility. The, the legalists who were trying to observe the law to find favor with God actually were putting themselves under a curse or the wrath of God, not under his blessing. The legalists could not live up to God's law. They were not willing to submit to God's grace and love that he was displaying there in front of them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you broke the speed limit coming to church today? Don't, don't raise your hand. How, how many of you do what we used to call an Indiana stop? When you come up to that stop sign, you notice nobody's coming, you just keep cruising through. How many? We all do that. Not, not, not one of us will observe that, that the traffic laws perfectly. Uh, we do tend to go over the speed limit. We do sometimes roll through a stop sign when we see no one's coming. Well, the Bible tells us in James chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Paul stated over in chapter 2, and we've looked at this for the last couple of weeks, that the law cannot justify a sinner. Chapter 2, verse 16. That the law cannot give anyone righteousness. Chapter 2, verse 21. All of us in this room today who have hope of heaven have it based upon the fact of not what we have done, but what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the good news. Because no one is justified by the law, as he quotes from Habakkuk 2.8. He says, the righteous will live by faith. It's the verse that turned Martin Luther's world upside down and started the Christian Reformation. Those of us who live by faith are declared righteous. And the good news is that we can all be declared righteous no matter who you are. The works of the law couldn't do that. We cannot perform the rituals perfectly enough. We cannot do them often enough. We cannot keep a list of do's and don'ts to find righteousness before God. Because none of us can ever do it perfectly. God is the one who provided salvation. It is grace reaching down to us who are undeserving of his love. But he did it anyhow. He sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross. And those who put their faith in him, turn from their sins, put their confidence in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, know from the witness of the Spirit and witness of the Word of God that our sins are forgiven, we have been born again spiritually, and we know heaven's our home. We buried a dear brother of our church family, actually a dear brother in Lamar and Sadie Dawkins, another member of our church who's been 
ill for a long time. But Brother Lamar, just soon before he passed away, he says, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm, I'm ready to go. I don't know why he's keeping me on. And he, was re- he knew where he was going. His confidence was in the Lord. It wasn't in anything he did. It wasn't the fact that he was a retired preacher. It wasn't the fact he was from Mississippi. It was the fact that he trusted Jesus. He knew where he was going. His hope was in what Christ had done on the cross. Paul, talking to these Judaizers, said that true salvation has never, ever been about keeping the law. The law just shows us how guilty we are. That speed limit that's outside the church building here that says 60, excuse me, 55 mile an hour. <laughs> I'm caught. All right. I'm going to leave that alone. It just shows us if we choose to do 65, how far we've missed it. It shows us how sinful we are. The law that says we are not to be greedy, the law that says we are to love one another, the laws that says we are not to lust, the laws that say we are to live immorally, the laws that say we are to, to, to love our enemies, the law that said all and on and on we can go. When we miss that, it just shows how much we are sinful individuals. It points out how sinful we are. But the Bible tells us, and I love the King James Version over in chapter 3, verse 24, says the, Bible, the law is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It is what's teaching us we can't save ourselves. We can't be religious enough. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough good works. We need Jesus in our lives. Now I need to wrap this up and we're going to just look at one last thing here. It tells us that Christ has redeemed us. Now that again is a big term, a churchy term that a lot of people don't understand. And I don't know how to say it without using the word. But it's very closely related to justified. Justified is where God puts his righteousness on us. And being redeemed is where our sins are placed upon him. He paid the price for our sin. It's a term out of the slave trade. You're all aware of that. Someone could buy a slave in our country 150 years ago and could say, you're not coming home with me. You're free. You're set free to live your life as you want. You owe me nothing. That was a redemption. That was being redeemed. And and that's what happens to us spiritually. We are all bondage under bondage to sin, under bondage to Satan. And when we turn to Jesus Christ, He sets us free from that bondage. He sets us free from Satan. And He has placed our sins on Himself and on that cross. Our sins have been nailed to the cross. We don't have to worry about them any longer. Again, it's God's through His grace. And He absolutely sets us free. The price for our sin has been paid by Jesus. Jesus can only do for us what we can't do for ourselves in that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. There's no other way. The only way is the cross of Calvary. Jesus shedding his blood on that cross. That blood covers our sins. He offers to us forgiveness. And we are justified and we are redeemed 
by what Jesus did on the cross, when we put our faith in him, when we believe God and act upon it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in our body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Here's my question. Have you believed God? Not believed in God. That's wonderful to do that. Believe even under the God of the Bible uh, that we have sitting in front of us. But have you believed God in that you have put your faith and your trust and your confidence and your future into His hands? Have you believed Him? Have you believed His Word? And have you believed His plan of salvation for you? If not, today is the best day to do just that. Father, I just want to say thank you for these few minutes we've had here together to, to look at this passage of Scripture. It's been a great day of worship. We thank you for your hand upon us. We thank you for the joy that we can sing praises to you. And we thank you that you loved us in spite of who we are to send Jesus to die for our sins and to die for us and to forgive us our sins. Father, if there's someone here today that needs to step out of this aisle and, and, and into the aisle and, and come forward and say, Pastor, I need Jesus to be my Savior, encourage them to do that today. If there's someone here who just needs to spend time in prayer and have a brother or sister gather around them and pray for them, encourage them to do that. And if there's someone here today also that needs to move their letter to Cornerstone, again, encourage them in that area too. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Encourage the heart to do what you're asking them right now to do. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.